Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Nick Augustine, and I'm here on your episode of Law Talk Radio, produced by Nick Augustine PR. Our 30-minute guest call-in show covers local and national legal news and events, as well as legal experts and current trends in law practice management. We cover important news and issues that affect various practice areas, so get in touch and let's tell your story. Partial support for Law Talk Radio comes from our sponsor advertisers who cover our production fees. We encourage our friends and colleagues to help sponsor the production of our Law Talk Radio shows. Send me an email for more information on sponsor plans and benefits at nick at nickaugustinepr.com. Don't forget to share the on-demand links to our episodes and your social media pages when you see something you want to share. All of our episodes and our several other programs are available on the Nick Augustine PR website under the Listen Now link in the middle of the home page. You may also visit, like, and share our Law Talk Radio episodes from our Law Talk Radio pages on Facebook and Twitter. Today's show is Social Media Considerations for Texas Lawyers with James Esch. The State Bar of Texas regulates Texas disciplinary rules of professional conduct. Lawyers use social media to build relationships, to market services in existing relationships, and to conduct themselves as thought leaders sharing important resources and information in the community. Lawyers also use social media to investigate people, places, and things of interest. The law is catching up to technology, and the rules and procedures for social media use by Texas lawyers are also coming into form. Our guest today, James Ash, practices primarily in family law mediation and parenting facilitation and coordination. Additionally, Mr. Ash is a certified mediator and mediates a wide range of cases with a particular emphasis in family law. He is also a certified parenting facilitator and coordinator, as mentioned, assisting families in high-conflict resolutions each to reach a stable co-parenting environment where the children can thrive. After graduating from high school, Mr. Esch served in the United States Marine Corps. Mr. Esch received numerous awards for innovative thinking and hard work. Upon leaving active duty, Mr. Esch moved to Northwest Arkansas to work on his education, where he received an undergraduate degree and his law degree from the University of Arkansas. He was admitted into the Texas State Bar in 2007, authorizing him to practice. A website for more information, Esch Law Firm, uh, is available, and Esch Law Firm in Dallas, Texas. Telephone number is 214-814-5374. Topics we're going to talk about on today's program. 30-minute show, we're going to talk about how the State Bar of Texas is involved with attorneys in social media and content. Then we'll talk a little bit about lawyers outsourcing social media content, creation, and management. Then we'll talk about, after the break, are some special distinctions uh, to note between personal and professional use of social networks and any tips Mr. Ash may have on managing attorney-client relationships as well as managing testimonials and recommendations. As we get moving today, just by way of disclaimer, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. A communication with attorneys on our program, uh, with guests and callers, cannot give rise to attorney-client relationships, and if you have specific questions, you should always consult with an attorney in your area. All rights of this broadcast are reserved. So, enough from me. Let's hear for, uh, from our returning guest, Mr. James Esch from Dallas. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Um, and I appreciate the introduction, of course, uh, so before. Um, uh, just as, a, a, I guess, a, an additional disclaimer here, I am not speaking on behalf of the State Bar of Texas or their Ethics Committee, and I know that may not make a lot of difference, but, you know, our discussion today is just based on my 
my information and my um, interactions with, you know, the ethical rules as I understand them as well. So, very well, very well. So moving forward, let's talk a little bit for, uh, you know, this might be for other lawyers out there who are uh, also again considering using social media. Some people are uh, various ranges of uh, using this very uh, frequently and heavily to not touching it at all. Uh, let's talk first a little bit about how the State Bar of Texas is involved with attorneys' social media and content. Well, social media, um, the State Bar is actually very active, uh, and the State of Texas really does monitor, you know, social media generally falls underneath the uh, advertising rules and uh, pretty much on how how attorneys are supposed to interact with the public. Uh, a lot of people may not know, and in, especially in other states, you know, you generally there's, I know from, for example, it's my understanding when I was clerking in uh, Arkansas, for example, you know, there were rules about advertising, you had to keep advertising on, you know, advertisements on file for so long and then what have you. But in Texas, for if it's advertising, you actually have to go through and submit it to the bar for clearance or there's what they call pre-clearance or just submit it to State Bar is very active uh, in in those in the realm of advertising and also with social media and the same to the same extent. For example, you know, like a website, you have to go through and actually submit to the bar to be approved before you actually get a website up. Uh, social media generally follows very closely along the same rules. So, um, I guess to the extent that that's out there, you know, the question with um, I know a lot of times, you know, when does content become advertising and stuff like that? That's basically you know one of those areas that the bar um, there's plenty of ethical decisions that they uh, opinions that they issue out on there, and that's kind of where the state bar looks at. Mm-hmm. So the rules, uh, as they're promulgated and put forth by the state bar, um, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the rules, the current version was written uh, some, well, right about the inception of, of Facebook being uh, something coming into existence, and so there's a lot of comments. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that as far as the comments to the rules and how the rules, whether they identify you know, specifics in social media and how someone should go about reading and interpreting, uh, again, those rules of conduct? Well, the state, the state bar, the state bar has, you know, the professional ethical, the ethics rules that are out there. And they, they, they're promulgated by the Supreme Court of Texas and they're out on the state bar, uh, Texas website. And contained in within those, there are opinion letters or opinions that the, that the court and the, um, the Ethics Commission has issued out that kind of help define what things are um, underneath the rules or essentially commentary or annotations to the ethical rules. And so um, I don't know when the latest inception of uh, the latest rules that have been promulgated and everything else. I know that there's been a recent, an attempt to recently rewrite a lot of stuff. Um, and if I recall correctly, that fell at the last ballot initiative on it. But the, the rules themselves are out there, and then they have the opinions actually kind of go out there and define different things. And they've taken a, um, great lengths to go through and actually discuss when attorneys go through and put out, say, a YouTube channel and, you know, information that's got to be contained on those sites and stuff like that. And, you know, as far as comments and stuff like that, you know, sometimes, <clears throat> as you know, that on, like, Facebook or for other, um, like, websites, specifically and stuff like that, people are sometimes able to comment on those on those sections. And attorneys should be very clear and on the 
uh, that on your websites and on that that if you allow commenting, that you make sure that it's known to anybody that's reading them that they don't misinterpret those comments as being um, endorsed or somehow uh, written by the attorney or somehow going through and uh, being a communication directly from the attorney to the public at large, that their individual comments by the individuals posting those are not necessarily there. Um, I know, for example, on my website, I specifically disallow comments on the um, on the website. And with regards to the, my Facebook page, I'm not sure if I've, if I've had that turned on or off, but um, that's some, a big consideration that most that people should really consider whenever they're looking at their social media as or as attorneys should look at when they're looking whether or not to allow comments or not. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the things that I'd like to add in there, um, you know, as someone who works in that space, I see a lot of people talking about policies, and I see a lot of law firms, uh, larger law firms, really putting together clear policies on how to operate using social networks and social media. And a lot of those policies where the law isn't clear yet um, in the particular state, a lot of people look to some other states, uh, and I'm just, I wondered, uh, James, your thoughts on whether you, you believe, I don't know what you've seen out there, but uh, how Texas may uh, compare to a lot of other states. Do you believe that state Texas is sort of following uh, where everyone else is going as far as the law develops on, um, you know, the use of social media and such? Well, and I, that's a good question. I don't have a lot of experience with a lot of other states as far as what they allow and what they do not allow. I, I would say, you know, my my experience as clerking in Arkansas versus Texas, um, you know, Texas has got a pretty uh, lengthy uh, advertise, you know, a lengthy process on what constitutes advertising, which you've got to go through and get pre-clearance and clearance for for that advertising. Um, I would, as a general principle matter, that just like most laws, in fact, uh, the uniform, you know, the, the uniform codes that a lot of the, a lot of states do look toward, towards other states on how to go through and handle those things. And one of those, obviously, I think is a lot of people are aware of, at least a lot of attorneys are aware of, are, is the, a- the American Bar Associations or the ABA's ethical guidelines. And they often go through and write, um, they have the model rules that a lot of states follow. Uh, and I, I would think they were pretty close to following, but we have a lot of differences in their rules. And so, um, you know, I would think most most individuals, or at least most states, probably look towards the ABA model rules and how they're coming about, and part of that decision, Mike, you know, what constitutes an ethical issue as far as what attorneys are supposed to follow. And, of course, this area, I mean, social media, my background, like I've, I think I've mentioned before other times, that my background is in IT, and this area is moving fast. It's moving fast in, you know, just the electronic discovery side, not to mention uh, how people are using and engaging other people, and there's a lot of pitfalls. Um, for them worry, especially whenever you're out there investigating. I'm sure uh, we may have some of that conversation a little bit later on, but uh, to the question of whether or not we follow other states, I probably don't have enough information to answer that directly, but, you know, it would not surprise me that if Texas looks towards other states, or for that matter, other states looks towards Texas on how they get there and address those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I suppose a good uh, suggestion I would have following that, and I very much agree with the, your comment on the ABA. Uh, the ABA really does a great job, and the ABA wants to help different states and it wants to help you know sole practitioners and you know all lawyers out there to really engage in what is it. The, you know, a lot of people say that the importance is getting. Uh, relevant and accurate information to the general public, that it's a good thing for the general public to find 
lawyers who have good resources and are knowledgeable uh, on their practice areas. And what I've also heard uh, some people say, just to follow up on some of your comments, James, is that when people are uh, going through and making uh, their own social media policy, that they are sort of making note as they're going along as to why they're doing certain things and where they saw, you know, if they saw a good example from a state that does have well-settled law on point, uh, they're creating their own policy and following that. But again, uh, I believe that knowing what you're dealing with and having made a conscious decision on how to uh, advertise or share resources is just document that and document that well because not only for the state bar, but I'd also think that for uh, purposes of professional liability insurance, that's also uh, a good thing to have. Um, can you talk a little bit, James, about uh, outsourcing social media and content creation and management? Because we, as we know, uh, many attorneys are pretty busy, and uh, you know, not only smaller companies are, are doing this, uh, the larger legal vendors, Find Law and West, a lot of different uh, vendors who do create and build websites are also offering uh, several things in the social media and social networking world and the packages that they offer as well. So I was just wondering if you uh, were aware of any tips or thoughts uh, on outsourcing some of that work for people who can't or don't want to do it themselves. Yeah, and that's a good point, and I think a good consideration from there, and that is, you know, for lack of a master-servant relationship, a lot of attorneys learn, you know, their first year of law school. Uh, and that is, at the end of the day, the master is responsible for everything. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's it's your name that's out there. And so, if you're outsourcing content, or if you're having things that are going that are going out there, uh, the attorneys really need to know what's being put out there, and they need to have an active role <clears throat> in making the decisions on how that's out there, and making sure that they're providing guidelines chosen to do outsourcing, making sure that they have guidelines to those producing those content. Especially, for example, um, you know, if you're in one state and you hire somebody uh, to outsource your, or if you decide to go through the outsourcing process to go through and say keep content relevant and everything else, that the person that's doing that is aware of, or at least, or not even at least, is aware of the relevant rules, guidelines, and what things to do and not do, and and those, and that can be very <clears throat> time-consuming and at sometimes and sometimes not, but as long as you're you know, comfortable have a good relationship. Excuse me, good relationship with the person that's helping you build that content. That one, um, they know where the uh, where to go and where not to go, and what things to be aware of uh, that may be different. And if they're in a different state, they need to understand what your state rules are because you, as for example, me as a Texas attorney, I'm bound by um, the Texas ethical rules, and so anything that I've um, that I put out, put out there, I've got to comply with the state of Texas rules. And um, if I'm outsourcing that, the you know individuals who are doing that for me need to go through and understand that as well and know what those rules are. Um, and even to the point that if you need to do pre-clearance of your own stuff before content's put out there. But ultimately, the attorney that that's responsible for the site, the firm, the law firm, or the partners or the associates that's putting the, the attorneys that are putting them out there uh, are going to be responsible and be held accountable by the uh, state bar for any violations that are out there related to this thing. So mm-hmm. that is probably the big, um, you know, the big thing outside of there. And, you know, that's something that uh, I think anybody that decides to do or makes that decision to go through the outsourcing, that they take that into very 
specific consideration to make sure that people that they're working with understand those rules because it's not the people that are out it's not the people that are creating the source content or content for their site or for their uh, for whatever they're doing for it that are going to be held accountable. It's going to be the attorney at the end of the day that's going to be held accountable for it. So as a result, that attorney needs to make sure that they're involved, and if they're not, you know, it's something that they need to, you know, at the risk or their peril to failure to do. Um, and in the event that something does go out that is in violation, they need to make sure they take immediate action or rectify uh, that issue and make sure you're documenting the same. Mm -hmm. yeah, very much so. And uh, to extent also having control um, over and having passwords and access to sites is something important too. Um, and uh, we were talking about the ABA before, ABA tech show and ABA conventions that go on uh, feature a lot of uh, focused speakers on this specific topic. And with all the liability, a lot of judges and lawyers kind of get frozen in their tracks and throw their hands up and say, oh my goodness, there's so many ways I can make a mistake. I'm just going to freeze and not go forward. But, you know, at the beginning of um, time, lawyers weren't allowed to advertise really at all much more than a, an ad in the phone book. So, um, you know, those who are trailblazers and moving, for, moving forward, uh, doing a lot of online advertising and doing a lot of networking and marketing through different social networks are, uh, you know, definitely seeing an uptake and a benefit to that. They're also more able to, uh, many of them relate to their audiences as people, they get feedback from people and whatnot. But again, Nick's tip of the day is document what you're doing, know why you're doing it, and know exactly who's doing what so that at the end of the day, if you do something that's potentially uh, errant of the rules, you at least can show that you were diligent and trapped in, in you know, what you're designed to do. So at any rate, this is the uh, middle of our program. Uh, James, you had a comment on that? No, just briefly. I was going to say, you know, at the end of you know, in my opinion, at the end of the day, the rule, you know, people make larger jokes all the time and stuff like that, but, you know, the purpose, <laughs> in my personal opinion about the purpose of the rules is pretty simple. It is they, the bar does not want individuals out there misleading the public and do not want attorneys misleading the public. And so a vast majority of the rules, in my opinion, are to ensure that that the profession itself is held to the level of standard that when they're given information out there, it's accurate, that you know where the source is coming from and that it's not misleading to the public. And, you know, regardless of where you, you know, nitpick the commas and the, the semifolds in the rule, but at the end of the day you follow, you follow the principle that, you know, if I put my name on it, is it something I would be willing to go through and share with the rest of the world? And the answer is, is if the answer to that is yes, then, then it's probably okay. I mean, it's probably a good thing to proceed as long as you're not running afoul of any of the rules. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And this is good stuff. And again, as more of these, more of the uh, decisions come out and more disciplinary decisions come out, we'll see where <laughs> the clear areas for concern are. Um, at the half point in our show, we read our sponsor advertisements. Uh, this show is sponsored by yours truly, so I'll tell you a little bit about Nick Augustine PR and Creative Content Marketing. We're an agency that offers uh, content creation and management, just as we're talking about today, uh, through affordable monthly marketing and publicity plans for our individual and small business clients. Most of our clients are attorneys and law firms, but we're also here to serve small business uh, professionals and organizations as well. Uh, the Nick Augustine monthly PR plans focus on writing and managing social media, blogs, newsletters, and podcasts, and in addition, Nick Augustine PR offers 
traditional copywriting and public relations services, uh, especially media services uh, through other uh, firms through which we associate for those who want to have their, um, have their uh, news and uh, press on, on TV and covered all over the place as well. We have uh, connections for that. But as far as a few of the benefits of the monthly plans that we offer and what people like about them, number one, the content is always custom written for our clients. We don't promote competitors and we don't duplicate content. Our clients uh, often email us article ideas. We add them to the publication calendars along with the articles that we propose for publication. So everyone's engaged in the process while spotting and sharing news stories that uh, matter to the clients and the communities uh, in which our clients uh, serve people. So also consumer public really does expect professionals, meaning lawyers, doctors, and everyone else who's in business to maintain a reasonable presence online so people can find them. So we maintain that for you and that's what we do. You can contact me, Nick, at nickaugustinepr.com to find out more about what we can do to help keep your marketing machines moving so you can focus on your work. Now, getting to some of the fun stuff with social media, uh, and this is something where um, I have some uh, fun experiences uh, as a younger person working in law firms. Special distinctions, James, on uh, noting between personal and professional uh, uses of networks. You know, and also when we talk about this, we're talking about um, people using Facebook to research, find information about clients, find just doing research generally. I mean, there's so many different uses, but uh, can you make some distinctions at least between, first of all, the personal and professional uses? Because I think that's where a lot of people get confused. Yeah, I, I, I guess for as a, if you're an attorney, I would say that, you know, anything you put online is you should err to the side that it's going to be essentially a reflection on yourself, regardless if it's on a professional or a personal uh, social site. Uh, you know, that becomes a little bit hard because you still want to have your own personal life and stuff like that and be able to share, but understand that, you know, anything you put out there is not public. Or, I'm sorry, it is not private, and it is public. Even if you're just friends, uh, that you're only sharing it with friends. Uh, you know, there's, you know, read articles and stuff like that of individuals who promote their business through their own personal site. And, you know, when you start mixing, if you don't separate your personal uh, social media versus your professional social media, um, you know, that can get a little gray uh, in the sense that you've got clients and stuff reading uh, your professional or reading stuff on your personal site um, that you may not want everyone shared with. There's a there's recently a great discussion about boundaries that I had with an individual recently. And keeping those boundaries clear of, you know, your professional boundaries with your clients and stuff like that, I generally, for example, do not um, – in fact, I generally don't friend um, – Friend clients. Uh, most uh, I have a lot of people on my site, uh, on my personal Facebook, but I know the vast majority of them. Of course, I do have some clients that are on there, but they were generally friends before they became clients. Um, but at that at that juncture, though, is something definitely to go through and consider. You know, when you transfer to the point of uh, coming from the professional to personal, and you start looking as a professional through personal sites, which is something you just mentioned a few minutes ago. You know, there was a a great um, ABA article actually on, and I can't remember what state, what attorney did it and what state, but there was an opinion written by the ABA, I believe, where an attorney had decided or attorney staff member went out and friended a uh, friended the opposing party to so that they could gain access to their Facebook page, and. I, I don't know if it was, it was an employee of the firm or if it was the attorney himself, 
but you know, there's a lot of people may not know, or they, they may know. Uh, the attorneys definitely know this role, but as an attorney, I cannot. If an opposing party is represented, I cannot speak to them directly. I must go through their attorney. Uh, absent some other specific clear permission to do so, otherwise, I have to talk to the other attorney. So when my client calls me and says, "Hey, I need, I want you to tell my uh, soon-to-be ex the following," give him a call. I can't call him. I've got to call the attorney. Well, the ABA came out and they were, this firm was doing this, uh, or had done this at least on one occasion, uh, and they basically said that was a violation of that rule, that you've reached out and basically you know that you're not directly talking to them. All you're doing is friending them to go there and gather for the purposes of research <clears throat> to get information. The act of friending them is enough to go through and violate that rule. Now, I say ABA because I do really do want to say it was part of the model rules I think it actually was a violation of one of the state ethical rules uh, opinion that came out, but it was all related to the same issue. Someone uh, from basically going out and adding that. You know, individuals definitely need to know that whenever they add stuff out there that you're being watched. Actually, well, let me rephrase that. You're not necessarily being watched. I don't I don't think people may be paranoid in that sense of, that some attorney is always out there looking for content, but what you put on your Facebook today, whether it be a check-in at a local gym or a local uh, eatery, today at 6 o'clock p.m., and then fast forward two or three years from now, whenever uh, you are going through some type of litigation or something like that, you know, that could be a key piece of evidence um, in my world of uh, consistency of where you've been checking in, times you've been checking in, where you said you were at a certain time versus where you actually may have been. I mean, there's wealth of information on social media. The question for, I think, most attorneys make sure that you gather that information uh, in a upright and not a nefarious way of, you know, fake uh, fake profiles trying to friend people just to gain information. So, See, Fraudulent activity generally is not, you know, I always, you know, remember, <laughs> I think of social media as like my mother saying, remember that when you leave this house, you represent this family's name and everyone's watching you and all the neighbors are watching I mean, it really is. Um, you know, I've seen all sorts of. I've seen people's check-ins actually come in in a you know, variety of ways, and uh, people. You never know uh, who's. You just. You know, if you're just play it clean, I think is the best advice. But let's shift. We got about three minutes left. Let's talk about some of the testimonials and recommendations. A lot of people are using LinkedIn. A lot of people use Avo. Um, and a lot of attorneys really value the recommendations for clients because other people rely on that. Um, when they're on the fence and making a decision, looking to hire someone. So, James, can you tell us a little bit uh, about testimonials, recommendations, and what you've heard of as far as tips in those areas? Well, you know, there, there's an entire section on the F-scrolls regarding testimonials and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, um, you know, they if you're going to get a, refer, uh, a testimonial or a recommendation from someone, that information uh, has got to be accurate. It's got to be factually accurate. And it can't, you know, basically can't be misleading to the public. Um, <clears throat> you know, there there are rules for attorneys advertising as far as, you know, I want X amount of dollars for this for this settlement. You know, it, having those types of statements and stuff like that cannot be misleading to the public. So when you're, <clears throat> if an attorney's out there trying to go through and get a referral or a recommendation from someone, you know, making sure that that information is accurate it's not, for example, um, you know, you're not creating recommendations that do not exist, for example, or testimonials from someone that didn't exist at all. 
uh, if you decide to go down that road of getting a testimonial or so, from someone ASP, um, you know, strict compliance with the ethics rules on that one would definitely be advisable for sure. But it certainly cannot be a misleading. Should be completely uh, factually accurate and not something that's out there um, uh, just to go through um, that would somehow go through mislead the public on what the actual results were for what you were doing, or make them think mm-hmm. that they'll get the exact same results with their with their case just because they hire you. And that goes back to that very one of the first things I said. You know, the rules are basically there to make sure they're. Well, I say the rules are there for lots of reasons. One of which I would say, in my own personal opinion, is to ensure that. There's accurate information that we as attorneys are not misleading the public, uh, and that they <clears throat> that they are what they say they are. And so, I think from that from that standpoint, when you're looking at uh, testimonials and recommendations, that's where I would kind of look at. And there's plenty of sites you mentioned, Avo, that's out there. Um, I think there's actually a few others that um, go through our content generator generation from. Uh, from attorneys, and that where you can actually ask for recommendations from other people from there. So um, I think at the end of the day, that's uh, very good. Probably a good roundabout advice of the same entire principle of everything under under what we kind of discussed today is that when you put content out there, it needs to be um, needs to be accurate, and not misleading. Yeah. And at the end of the day, another thing I'd say is call the State Bar of Texas if you have any questions, if you're a Texas lawyer, or if you're listening in another state, contact your state regulatory agency, contact the ABA, ask questions, make a record of it, make a note. If you're a good and honest person, carry those skills through in the rest of your practice and as well through your marketing. James, for people who um, uh, know you or want to get in touch with you or want to say hi, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, call me directly at um, my phone number, 214-814-5374, or even email me at uh, james.esh at elflegal.com. That's james.esh at elflegal.com. All right, James. Thanks again for your time today. Thank you. And Thank I'd like- you. I like yes, and I'd like to also uh, remind those listening at home that the internet radio page at nickaugustinepr.com has different programs uh, from this show, the Law Talk Radio Show, the Small Business Stars Show, all sorts of different uh, shows and the embedded players on that site. Um, I want to also thank all of our uh, listeners out there for sharing our uh, programs in your social networks. Again, many people find these programs in their friends' Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, feed. So we do appreciate everybody's assistance and uh, help for sharing and promoting those as well. Again, this is Nick Augustine for Law Talk Radio. And as always, I thank you for your time.